Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Serie A fan. Misfiring Italy draw a blank in Gdansk. As Milan and Inter get ready to dance, we take on the job of Mancini and name our favoured front lines, as well as assessing Italy's chance against the Dutch and previewing all the Serie A weekend action. Plus, answering all your questions and nominating a contender for the Gagliardini Challenge in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and a happy international break. No Serie A this weekend, but we do have two Italy games to discuss, listener questions to address, and next week's games to preview. But first, let me welcome back Boaz and Kenny. Boaz, how are you doing? What sort of a beer have you got this evening? Hey, Oscar, how are you doing? I'm drinking something called the Pineapple Express today. It's a pineapple tasting IPA. It's quite good, even though it's a little bit gimmicky. Sounds lovely. How about you, Kenny? Something equally refreshing. Uh, I've actually veered away from the uh, the safety of my session IPAs and uh, and pale ales. I've gone for a a Rauch and Roll. It's uh, by a brewery called Wuha. They're based in the Highlands. Strong name. It is, isn't it? Um, it's so it's a, a smoky porter. It's got a bit of bit of coffee and chocolate going on, and uh, probably probably good for the the weather, which has taken a turn for towards uh, towards the wintry in uh, in Scotland recently. It's a strong name for a strong beer. I don't think I could stomach more than a couple of sips of that. Yeah, I've uh, kind of copped out this week. I've got the Fat Lizard One Hundred One, the the Finnish Californian again, Baz. I love it. One day I will taste it. When COVID is over, I'll come visit you just to drink that beer. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd come just for that, but it'd be <laughs> great to see you. Anyway, we have to talk about the football. Um, so Italy in action twice. They're 15 games unbeaten now, and it's uh, the second game, the first time in two years that they've not scored a goal. Um, so the first one was a friendly um, steamrollered Moldova 6-0. Um, and the second one, a goalless draw with Poland in the Nations League. First of all, Boaz, how did what did you think of the make of the performance against Moldova? I know it was just a friendly, but still, um, they, they hit six, so can't really knock them. First of all, the big story from this game is probably tinged in green, i.e. Sassuolo. You had goals from Caputo, who's a hero on this pod, ma- mainly because of his beer drinking, if you ask me. But um, also, it's it's a nice story to see him make it all the way to the Nazionale. Other than that, there was uh, goals from Berardi and uh, Locatelli, of course, played. And there was also two former Sassuolo players on the pitch. I think you have to praise Mancini for having the national team have set up in kind of a club way. So you do have these uh, so-called reserve players, but they're getting a full game and they're all part of the group and there is a really good spirit in the team. I don't know if you saw the Instagram videos of uh, Jorginho playing uh, Oasis and kind of butchering the the vocals, but still, the whole national team were in together. 
So it it looks like there's a really good spirit with the Azzurri right now, and you have to praise Mancini for that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, speaking of suspect music, there was actually uh, some quite hilarious goal music in that game. I don't know if it was Morrissey. It sounded very much to me like Morrissey, but we got to hear it a few times. Anyway, in the, uh, in the other game, a much more serious approach, much tougher fixture. Italy really should have won this game against Poland, though, shouldn't they, Kenny? Yeah, they should have done. Um, uh, they, they played some lovely football, actually, uh, sort of uh, back to front. They absolutely controlled Lewandowski throughout um, and nullified his threat, aside from that one wonderful uh, defensive block by uh, Emerson Palmieri. But the, the the real talking point here was that they struggled to really create uh, enough sort of clear-cut chances. They did have one absolutely incredible uh, chance for Chiesa. Um, we, we spoke in the pilots, and I think we've spoken a couple of times in the, the live episodes about the uh, Gagliardini challenge, which was uh, on the basis of a, a horrendous miss that, that he had last season. Uh, no one's quite lived up to that yet. Chiesa hasn't lived up to the the, the high standards that Gagliardini set with that miss, but it it was a it was a bad miss. But yeah, I mean that that's the main that's the, the main negative from this because everything else they look great. They're they're a really fun team to watch. Like Boaz said, they're set up like a like a club. Really, they don't maybe have the absolute megastars that we've seen Italy have over the years. Your Dottis, your Badgers, etc., etc. Your Pirlos, but they've got a squad of very very good players uh, with the potential to become that, and they're just really pleasing on the eye. I think that in Euro 2020, which will be in 2021, of course, Spain and Germany are favorites. And there's maybe a couple of other nations that are slightly favored over Italy. But the way Italy are playing and um, the way this team is kind of building up the momentum, I wouldn't uh, bet against them as a dark horse. I have to say, when I was uh, watching this one, I did think of you, but as, as Kenny said, a, a pretty horrible miss from Chiesa and it was a bad one from Pellegrini as well. Um, and your comment a couple of weeks ago that uh, Italy really needs to get Edin Dzeko on loan definitely rang true. It's funny because uh, I was thinking about that comment recently as well and I really feel that we, we might have jinxed him because ever since we said that, he hasn't scored a goal and he's missed some glaring chances. So Edin, if you're listening, um, please get some goals. Yeah, and uh, on the topic of that front three, I actually think it's appropriate that we take a listener question at this point. Um, we'll, we'll come back in the Ask Scudetto section to the other questions. But Tifosi Dan Under asks, does Mancini actually know his best front three? And who would you guys start with if the Euros were tomorrow? Kenny, you want to tackle that one first? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think uh, the answer to this one's probably quite quite obvious in that he doesn't know his uh, his main who, who's going to lead the line he's uh, he's kind of chopping and changing between Immobile and Belotti because neither of them really have done it uh, at the at the national level i think with regard to his his other uh, his other attacking options uh, Zaniolo on the right appears to be what he wants and Insigne on the left but both of those players are, are out injured at the moment so we've seen a different front three in the last two games we'll probably see a different front three against Holland as, as well who if the euros were tomorrow who would he take who would who would we start sorry um, as a front three i'm going to go for Berardi and Caputo uh, because Caputo is a hero of this uh, pod, but also because 
those two know each other inside out and you know if you've got a shortage of options it seems to seems to make sense to go with players who who work well together and they fit the system and who fit the system exactly um and on the left for me it's a bit of a, a tricky one i really wasn't convinced by pellegrini in that game against uh, poland uh, probably moise can but i'm not full of i wouldn't be full of confidence that he's at the, at that level yet his uh, season at everton was a bit of a write off and uh, we thought that uh, ancelotti would be the one to uh, make the change But it, now he's moved to PSG, and again, I'm not sure he's going to be starting many games there with the likes of Neymar, Mbappé, etc. So we really have to keep an eye on him for the, this, this next season or so to see where he goes and if he really manages to make that uh, jump from a potentially good player to a, a good player who can start from Italy, for Italy on the left. So, Buzz, do you go along with that front three, or have you got different ideas? I mean, it's hard to say right now because, uh, as, as we said, uh, Zaniolo is injured, so I don't know if he'll be back in time or if he'll be fit for the tournament. But uh, I, I definitely think that the front positions are the most problematic ones. Unlike past Italian sides, um, there isn't really a lot of uh, choice up front. I feel that um, even though Immobile has yet to really shine in the Azzurri shirt, He is probably the closest Italy get to a pedigree striker right now. So I would probably have him at the center of that, that attack. I'm going to break the mold here and draft in Kevin Lasagna to uh, play as the target <laughs> man. <laughs> Another point to you, Kenny. I, I just wanted to say that there was that um, we did get to see uh, Immobile up front with uh, Zaniolo and Insigne in the, the first half of that, that Holland game I believe it was when Zaniolo got injured and they looked very very good I know that um, I know that Immobile did miss chances in that game but the three of those players really really gelled and that's more effective than Italy have, have been uh, have been since So moving on Italy are playing Netherlands next um, in Bergamo on Wednesday there won't be any crowd there but there were 9,000 fans at the Poland game. What did we make of it? It, it, it did seem to um, create a pretty good atmosphere. We've spoken about this in past episodes, but j just even just 9,000 people in the stadium made such a big difference, especially towards the end of the game when, especially the Azzurri, but Poland had a couple of chances as well, and you could really feel the, the tension that the crowd brings, and you could also see that the players were kind of reacting as, a, as part of that. Yeah, it was incredible, wasn't it? And even though as we said it was only 9000 fans it was only 20% full there were times where it sounded it felt watching it as if it almost was uh, a, a full a full stadium we, we don't want to in any way suggest especially with the situation the covid situation in italy and the uk where i am at the moment to be encouraging thousands upon thousands of people back into the grounds but it was nice to get a taster of what we can hopefully see again or experience again as football fans once things do start to return to normal Yeah. How do we fancy Italy's chances against the Netherlands? Obviously, 1-0 uh, last time they met a month ago. What do you think, Perz? So when the draw was made, I think um, Netherlands was, was probably the, the one team Italy had to look out for. I have to say that with the new management appointment, maybe this uh, draw is suddenly a little bit easier. De Boer's recent record is kind of laughable. Inter fans will remember him, especially for his 16-game stint, where he 
swapped from a four-man defense to a three-man defense on the first day of the season, having played the, all of preseason in one way. His spell at Crystal Palace was terrible as well. And his last appointment before the Netherlands was uh, he took over, uh, I think they were champions, uh, Atalanta United. And um, while his uh, win ratio was slightly better than in his previous jobs, he, didn't, he wasn't particularly loved. And I think they were glad to see the back of him. So uh, De Boer is falling upwards because he's now managing one of the best nations in the world. Yeah, well, at least they should have a better pitch in Bergamo than they had for the Poland game. Mancini was uh, not best pleased with the pitch, was he, Baz? Maybe that was to blame for the the glaring misses. I found his quotes were hilarious. Uh, Right after the game finished, he initially um, said that the pitch definitely affected the game, but we should have scored. We did everything right except put the ball in the back of the net. And as the post-match interviews... uh, evolved his answer became more and more dramatic to where towards the end he was like we would have won if it wasn't for the pitch so uh, (laughs) he obviously swapped he obviously had some time to think about it and decided that the pitch was his main gripe or he just got fed up with being diplomatic possibly it's it's almost a a dishonorable mention which is timely because we come on to the honorable mention section kicking off with marish kambula who made his first start for the albanian national side it was a nil-nil draw away to Kazakhstan, so well done to him for the clean sheet. And on the topic of Roma, a dishonourable mention to the virus yet again for infecting Diawara, who's been making it onto our podcast for all the wrong reasons. Four times in a row now. <laughs> hope, he, <laughs> hope he gets well soon. Any other honourable or dishonourable mentions? Yeah, yeah. So we've, I mean, we spoke about the the Italy Poland game at length, but uh, honourable mention to to Milik for coming on for Poland. He's not in Napoli's European or Serie A squads, uh, so good to see him at least get some action. Although, uh, if uh, Udinese director Pierpaolo Marino gets his way and uh, everyone gets thirty man squads for you know during the the pandemic then maybe he will yet get to to see some action but yeah he's apparently uh still likely to go to roma in january so we'll see how that how that pans out but good to see him get some action and uh i'd like to give a honorable mention while we're talking about uh polish players to uh Walukiec. i hope i haven't butchered that too much but essentially he's a young midfielder who uh, was purchased by Cagliari this summer and he's uh, he's played all three games he's played 90 minutes for all three games so far this season and he made his second appearance for Poland and he's a young player so a lot of potential and maybe Cagliari will be able to sell him on good stuff that's all we've got time for in part one in part two we will answer your questions and talk about all of the upcoming fixtures hello City A fan Make Scudetto a part of your weekly football fix. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite listening platform, and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ScudettoPod. We'd love to have you on the squad. Hello and welcome back to part two. We're going to be getting into all the weekend's action, but first, hashtag AskScudetto, the section where we answer your questions. First, we've got a question for you, Boaz. I read that Italy has the most superstitious football fans in Europe. When you were a season ticket holder for Milan, did you have any game day rituals? For example, wearing a lucky item of clothing. And that one is from Paul. 
One of my first seasons as a season ticket holder for Milan was when uh, Milan didn't lose for 54 games in a row. So I had a pair of lucky socks and I was pretty convinced that they were doing the trick. But then I was also season ticket holder for the years between 96 and 97 and 98, which were some of the worst years in Milan's recent history. And so those socks were soon chucked into the bin. And uh, I soon realized that whatever I was wearing or doing didn't really affect the team on the field, fortunately. Good stuff. We've also got a question from uh, Mike Buchanan for the English one. Uh, so I assume that one's for me. Uh, do, do the two others ever speak <laughs> Italian to each other when you're planning the show? And does this Obvious. make you paranoid that they might be plotting against you? The answer is no. All plotting is in English. I'm well aware of plots to overthrow me. and. I will thwart any challenges. So <laughs> give me your best shot, Mike. Bravo, Oscar. Bravo. Tentative fighting talk right there. Uh, he's also got a question for you, Kenny. Um, he wants you to tell him a Beppe Signore an anecdote. Okay, I've had a little think about this. And the best that I can do is that I think much like uh, any other uh, young uh, wannabe superstars uh, growing up in the 90s, I tried in vain... To, to replicate Beppe Signori's penalties, uh, so much so that I took this to the, the club that I was playing at. And after training, we used to practice penalty shootouts. And I was adamant that this was going to be the way that I took, that I took penalties from now on. Um, so we had our, our penalty shootouts at the, end of, at the end of training. And three times consecutively, I tried to, to do Beppe Signori's one-step penalty kick run-up three times in a row. I missed the target. And after the third one, my, my manager came up to me and basically said, what the f*** are you doing? Just hit it properly. You can't really argue with that. Zero out of three. Your, your coach <laughs> got, has got a point. I still try him, though, to this day. Uh, but have you got an anecdote for us? Strangely, my memories of Beppe Signori, even though I remember him as a great player, but the two most glaring memories I have is um, him playing in midfield for USA 94 throughout which was very frustrating because he was essentially a goal scorer. But Arrigo Saki decided that he needed another guy in the midfield. And also um, Sven-Goran Eriksson trolling him in a UEFA Cup game and having him warm up for a good 60 minutes without ever playing him. Good stuff. Uh, for the last uh, Scudetto listener question, uh, last week we brought you the news that Martin Darun had uh, was lobbying his club to sign up Gunnosaurus, the Arsenal mascot, after... The mascot was let go by Arsenal Football Club. Arsenal have actually extended the contract since then. So uh, good news for Gunnosaurus. But uh, Jesse wants to know, who is your favorite Italian or Serie A mascot? Baz, you want to take that one? I think the whole notion of uh, mascots in Italy is a little bit less prevalent than, say, in the United States or even Britain at the moment. However, two that stick to mind are um, Alex, which was a Juventus mascot for a few years, which was kind of awkward when uh, Alex Del Piero was getting less and less game time, but the, the mascot was essentially him. And also Silvio Berlusconi, when he brought over, um, when he bought Milan, again, he was trying to emulate the more flashy American system. And he brought on, he has, he has this devil looking thing, which I'm not even going to name, but it was kind of ridiculous. And it was all on all of Milan's merchandise in the 90s. Good stuff. Doesn't one team have an actual live bird? I'm not sure if it counts as a mascot. So Lazio had an eagle for a few years, and uh, sadly the eagle passed away in the summer. So I'm not sure if they've replaced her, 
but it's it's true that uh, Lazio at least have a proper animal. And uh, it's, this is a good thing, time to mention that uh, Lazio will be playing Spezia on the 6th of December and Lazio are known as Le Aquile and Spezia are known as the Aquilotti, the small eagles. So it'll be interesting to know if the small eagles can beat the big eagle. There was that nice time when uh, all of Italian football was searching for the eagle because it decided it had enough and left. I'm not sure if either of you remember that, but it, it was just like <laughs> top news for a good few days. I mean, technically, they could just get a new eagle every game and just pretend it's always the same one. I mean, not, no one would really notice, let's be honest. Maybe that's what they did. <laughs> I was just going eagle conspiracy theories on this book. <laughs> yeah, it's much quicker to just have the eagle fly out, shoot him out of the air, and bring out a new eagle next week. You know, less, less press. Either way, I think the, the eagle derby is definitely better than the seagulls versus eagles that Sky have been keen to try and promote in the Premier League. Anyway, let's talk about some football. So we'll start with the Milan derby, Boaz. You've got uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic back. He's recovered or COVID has recovered from Zlatan. What do you think of your chances in this game? It's a strange derby, obviously, because of the period we're living in. And um, it's uh, it's hard for me to predict today when we're recording what's going to happen next week, simply because every day a new Inter player seems to be going into the seems to be going onto the COVID list. And uh, as you said, Zlatan is back, but uh, Milan still have a couple of players out, including Gabia, who is starting in defense at the moment. And therefore, I, I'd like to think that because of uh, recent form, Milan can get a good result, but it's very hard to predict. This is going to be the theme throughout the season. Uh, top players dropping out, not because they're injured or they or something like that, or they're suspended, but because they have COVID. Yeah, and you might start uh, asking questions, as I know a lot of the Italian media have been doing recently, about what happens if this really does uh, start to have an effect on multiple multiple games. I know that they're talking about potentially introducing like an NBA-style bubble system. I don't know what the answer is, but it's it's not looking great at the moment, is it? And I have a few qualms with the discourse. Well, last week we went into a lot of depth about COVID, etc. But I've, I'm hearing a lot of um, le- even leading journalists talking about how the integrity of the tournament is being damaged because players are missing and stuff like that. To be honest, the integrity of life has been damaged. Uh, everything we know has changed and we should be so fortunate that we have a league to begin with. Yeah, can't argue with that. Although you do have to feel for the teams that are worst affected. I'm not sure what the answer is, but anyway, let, let's, um, let's talk a little bit more about the on-field action. How to, should we expect Inter to line up for this game, Kenny? Uh, I mean, this is surely a, a must win for Conte if he's serious about staking a challenge. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they've... Uh, sorry, I know that we're, we're talking about on-field stuff, but um, Inter are going to have a real problem uh, putting together a, a defence for, for this game. Uh, they've got uh, six players out now with Ashley Cole being the latest uh, to test positive for, for COVID. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if with uh, Zlatan coming back that presents... Uh, you know, possibly puts Milan in the the driving seat for for this one. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Bastoni as well if he comes back for for Inter. But um, other than that, I think they'll have uh, Lautaro and Lukaku up front, so they certainly won't be short of of firepower. Uh, and uh, Barella played in the, in the game. Uh, 
last night against Poland. Uh, so all intents and purposes, looks like he's he's fighting fit. Um, so I think it might be a makeshift defense for Inter, and that might possibly tilt the balance in uh, in Milan's favor. But yeah, just uh, yeah, just back back to what Boaz said. It's really really testing times. And I think even with um, this COVID outbreak in the squad, you still look at some of the players that Inter will be able to field and have field so far in the season. And you have to say that that's still a pretty impressive side, particularly Hakimi, who um, seems to have bedded in really well. Yeah, and maybe even uh, a run out for Christian Eriksen, who I took so much flack for suggesting may- maybe could be an impact player. Um, anyway, <laughs> in the other games, um, in fact, just before the Milan derby on Saturday, we've got Napoli versus Atalanta. That's if Napoli show up. Ooh. <laughs> We're, we're fully expecting them to, to field a squad for this one. Yeah, yeah. They've all tested uh, negative. So clean bill of health for, for Napoli. It, it's going to be a cracker, this one. Or uh, having said that, it probably won't be. It'll probably be no-no. But I, I don't see how uh, an, an Aussie men-led Napoli team don't get on the score sheet in this one. Um, and I don't see how Atalanta can stop scoring in, in any game. I think probably the... The the story of this of this game is that it's uh, both teams are relatively relatively at full strength. Insigne is still going to be out uh, for for Napoli. He's back in training, but um, according to all of the all of the reports, it's going to be uh, too early for him to to make it back for for this one. Atalanta will be without uh, Caldara, so I, I'm not sure if he even really would have started. But interesting for me would be to see if Bakayoko can can make a start. Apparently, he's impressed in in training, and uh, it might be might be fun to see him fit into uh, Rino Gattuso's uh, side. The the other player that I would be keen to see uh, make an appearance would be Ilicic. Don't know what the latest is with him, but I do know that uh, five or six days ago, uh, Gasparini was saying that he's not far away from being from being ready so I, I hope this is the game where we at least see him make the the squad for Atalanta possibly get some some time off the bench but yeah yeah it should it should be a really really fun game yeah I think that those two teams have the highest scoring so far this season it's an average of kind of four goals a game a piece I think so definitely should be fireworks this is definitely one of the matches we circled out at the beginning of the season yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, anything else to highlight on that one? Or should we talk about the other Emilian derby, Bologna Sassuolo? Sassuolo, obviously, uh, confident after their 6 0 victory over Moldova, as you mentioned <laughs> earlier, Boas. Um, Very good. What should we, um, what should we expect for, from Bologna in this one? Kenny, they've got a bit of a crisis going on as well, haven't they? Yeah, a bit of a injury crisis at, at Bologna. Uh, so they've got, I think that's at now four, four of their sort of key players out uh, with long-term injuries. Uh, Mitchell Dykes was um, supposed to be out for a couple of weeks, but the latest reports are that that could actually be four months, as much as four months. Um, what that might mean actually is that uh, another person who's had a lot of mentions on this podcast, uh, Aaron Hickey, might find himself as the first choice left back until uh, until Christmas anyway for for Bologna. And I don't think anyone really expected that when when he joined the club. But I, I certainly, I think I even said on one of our podcasts that I saw him as being 
uh, one for the future who I didn't really expect to to feature much. But um, they've also got uh, Skov Olsen, who was injured on international duty with Denmark, uh, and Andrea Poli and Gary Medell, who are out for half a season and six to seven weeks, respectively, according to, to reports. So a real a real challenge for Bologna. But we could see Musa Barrow back, uh, apparently. He, he might make it back in time for the game. Like you said, really, Sassuolo, um, only really, as far as I know, still without Boga, who's making his way back after having had uh, coronavirus himself, which is obviously going to be the running theme throughout these podcasts uh, for, the, for the foreseeable, unfortunately. Uh, I can only really see this going one way. I, th- I think Sassuolo have had a great start. Bologna, more stop start. They had that 4-1 win against Parma, but uh, yeah, a couple of disappointing results elsewhere. So uh, yeah, if I if I had to pick between these two sides, I'd expect Sassuolo to take three points in this one. I agree. Yeah. Um, well, we'll look forward to that one. And we've got a full bill of fixtures over the weekend, which we will be watching and we'll round up next Monday. Uh, before we wrap up, we've just got a few honourable and dishonourable mentions. Uh, Kenny, you want to... Okay, yeah, I'll go first with uh, La Padula Tattoo. Not sure how uh, how well oh, known this is outside of uh, outside of the Twitter sphere, but uh, so La Padula got a tattoo to honour his uh, his Peruvian heritage on his on his mother's side. He, he got a tattoo of uh, of an Inca, or he asked for a tattoo of an Inca. And after he had had the the tattoo, it was quite intricately done, uh, a, very, a relatively attractive tattoo. He posted it on social media with the words "My origins, half my heart, half my blood." Except that shortly after posting it, uh, hundreds of people got back to him and said, "By the way, mate, that's not an Inca. That's a Native American. Wrong continent." <laughs> so, <laughs> dishonorable mention. Just how does how does something like that happen? You'd think. <laughs> <laughs> you take some consultation, surely. Yeah. Um, an honourable mention for Rabinia? Uh Yeah, I'd love to give an honourable mention to former Manchester City and Milan uh, attacking midfielder Robinho, who returns to Santos for the fourth time, and he'll be he's getting paid the minimum wage this time. Uh, the club are in financial peril, and he's agreed to come back to kind of rescue them. Of course, they're not getting Robinho, prime Robinho, but still, it's a nice gesture. And we've got a couple more dishonorable mentions, unfortunately. Kenny, you want to tell us about Fiorentina fans? Yeah, I don't want to be overly overly negative, but this is actually a, a yeah serious dishonorable mention for some Fiorentina fans who uh, took to social media to insult and threaten Federico Chiesa's 16-year-old brother, Lorenzo, who, it should be noted, still plays in the Fiorentina youth setup uh, after his older sibling moved to Juventus. Uh, also want to flag that with a, an honourable mention for the the many Fiorentina fans who, who outnumbered those to, to wish him well uh, and to to say that, you know, they, they respect he's still a, a Fiorentina player and all the best of luck to him uh, and that they're right behind him. Yeah, no place for that, obviously. Let's have a slightly more lighthearted, but another dishonorable mention for Fiorentina, for the president, Boaz. Yeah, Fiorentina I acted like a jilted ex-boyfriend this week. First of all, uh, Prade was quoted in uh, in midweek as saying that uh, Chiesa was, uh, it was good to get rid of him and it should have been done a long time ago and it was nice to get this uh, 
monkey off his shoulder. But then Comiso was uh, even more uh, direct and he was saying he didn't even call. I mean, come on, man. You made the, <laughs> a good 60 million euros from this transfer. I think everyone should be happy. Um, and we've got uh, a couple more honorable mentions, uh, although a slightly sad one, Buzz. Yeah, it was reported as we started recording that Francesco Totti's uh, dad, Enzo, passed away due to COVID. Um, the two were really closely linked, and uh, his dad was kind of his inspiration when he started off, known as the sheriff. Anyway, um, we send our condolences and uh, much love to the Totti family. Absolutely. And um, one for Weston McKenney from Kenny. Yeah, so this is uh, Weston McKenney who has... He's not been at Juventus for, for a long time, but he's already made clear his intent to to send a message to, to Italian football fans and fans of Italian football about uh, racism. And he, he's basically highlighting that um, in games earlier this year, before he, he was at Juventus, he was jeered with, yeah, you can probably imagine the type of uh, noises uh, which we probably... Don't want to go into too much detail about, but he also said that when he was back in the states, he's uh, he fears going out in in his car in case he gets pulled over by the cops. Uh, and in particular, he said that whenever he makes these statements, people tell him to you know be quiet and just get on with his day job as a footballer. He doesn't know what he's talking about, but making it absolutely clear that he's not going to do that. That he wants to use his position to to say these things and to, to highlight uh, these problems. And I just think, uh, yeah, great. Um, we, we need more of this. We need this to keep going. Um, it's not something that was just for a summer. It's something that needs to be a continuous a continuous fight and uh, good on him and good on Juventus as well for using official club channels to, to send that message across. Yeah, we talked about it off air, didn't we? And it's um, just a ridiculous argument when people are told to just shut up and concentrate on playing football. I mean, Twitter is full of people whose full-time job is not commentating on football, weighing in on these debates. Um, exactly. no reason why the players shouldn't be involved. Um, all right, that is all we've got time for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week to round up all of the Serie A fixtures. Until then, enjoy the football. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 